Hello everyone and welcome to the weekly chat with myself and Ralph who is the ex-superstar equity research analyst and all-around superb lad. Why this did week... you say ex-superstar? I mean it was a good introduction but so this this week we are going to be talking about uh, inflation and why interest rate rises aren't working as quickly as hoped. We're going to be talking about the war in semiconductors. And finally, we'll be talking about Toyota's amazing breakthrough this week because we want to finish off on a high. It's very important because of what's coming first. But anyway, <laughs> um, so, yes, I mean, I think um, so kicking off um, with regard to inflation, um, obviously, this is the favorite topic of this of this podcast. And, you know, um, the fact is it is really important. So that's why we, we keep talking about it. However, um, this week, um, you know, or what we've been seeing over the last few weeks in particular is intensifying criticism of the Bank of England and, um, you know, the governor, uh, Andrew Bailey in particular, in, in terms of how wrong they've got it and how how long they uh, how long they have got it wrong for. Um, so that's quite hard. That's a lot harder to say. Than longer, I it would be. longer for longer. Yeah, yeah. Something. Uh, yeah, something like that. Anyway, um, so, uh, uh, you know, what? so anyway, so inflation continues to rise. It looks like interest rates are going to continue to rise as well. Um, but what do you uh, what do you think, Monsieur? <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, I mean, first of all, we're talking about inflation again. <clears throat> so apologies, but we have to. Um, mm. the, 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 the trouble with inflation, with, with, with the sort of inflation we're looking at now, excuse me, <clears throat> but also with any type of inflation, is always how to combat it. There mm. only really is one uh, way to combat it, unless you're a Keynesian econ economist, and that would be to increase in, uh, interest rates. And of course, that's been done, and that's been our world for the last two years. Mm. The next question then is always, how quickly does the economic effect of increased interest rates filter down into the economy? Mm. And at the best of times, that's uh, somebody said once, that's like steering a super tanker. You sort mm. of um, crank the wheel and then... <laughs> In a, mm. in a month's time or so, the super tanker turns right or left. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so this is, of course, very similar. So you don't really know how long it's going to take for interest rates to uh, have the, for interest rates policies to have mm. the desired effect. Mm. <clears throat> in this particular case now, it appears as if the effect, my voice is weird. <laughs> it's really, you're disintegrating in front of our eyes. Yeah. Disintegrating. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, in, the, in this particular case, uh, the problem has been observed that it is taking even longer than mm. you would normally expect, given the order of magnitude of the increase that we have seen. Mm. Um, and certain reasons have been put forward to explain this. And the most interesting one of them that I have seen is that the structure of mortgage products has changed. Mm -hmm. Now, if you think about, first of all, there are two broad buckets of mortgage products. One is a floating rate product, 
and the other one is a fixed rate product. And the floating rate product obviously works like this. I mean, the interest rates in the economy are going to be increased or reduced. And the effect of that is translated immediately into your mortgage rate. So your mortgage rate is basically uh, whatever the base rate is plus some margin. Mm -hmm. The other part uh, of the equation is fixed rate mortgages. And those, as the name suggests, are fixed at the rate which the contract um, determines. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really matter what interest rates are. So if interest rates go up from 1% to 5% and your mortgage rate is fixed at 3 then this is going to be 3 mm -hmm. until the contract ends. Because it's a fixed rate, fixed term uh, structure, which is difficult to say. Um, mm -hmm. So un until the contract period during which the the rate has been fixed ends when it ends it kind of steps up in this particular case where interest rates are rising to the level of interest rates prevailing at the time so if a mortgage rate is fixed at three percent yes i'm immunized to increases in more in interest rates during that time but then my contract ends and i need to remortgage and pick up another fixed rate mortgage if i so wish when obviously the fixed rate mortgages at uh, available at the time will incorporate and price in the level of base rates uh, mm. in force at the time so now mm -hmm. we are jumping from three percent in my example to 5%. And that is actually quite quite horrible for a household if your mm. if you, if you cost sort of in my particular example uh, well it doesn't quite double but it almost does so like 5 over 3 that's that's a sizable impact on your discretionary income. Mm. And so if you think about how this works again uh, interest rates go up sorry interest rates are put up by the Bank of England in order to disincentivize consumers from buying stuff in the economy because buying stuff in the economy increases prices and that is inflation and that is what you wish to avoid. Um, the In the UK, the most, well, the most, certainly one of the most important components of household expenditure has always been mortgages. And so there are two things now. Apparently, it is now the case that fewer property ownership is supported by mortgages than it used to be. And in, and in fact, uh, because of the uh, downturn... The, flo in the, the floating rate mortgages. No, I mean, in, in, in general. I mean, oh, right, people, okay. people own more equity. Uh, yep. it's, uh, I think, I think uh, property ownership was 40% mortgage-backed uh, just several years ago, and it's now 30% mortgage-backed. Mm -hmm. So in other words, people have mm. had uh, the ability to remortgage and take some equity out of the properties. But then, of course, recently we've seen property prices come down. People have difficulty getting on the ladder. That also means that less properties are basically purchased and mm. uh, rental accommodation has increased. So the sensitivity of the overall economy to the to an increase in interest rates because of that has come down mm. but the second in, in component is far more interesting i think and this is this the the, the prevalence of this fixed uh, term 
fixed rate mortgage. And I think these figures are yours. And uh, you told me this. I found this absolutely fascinating. About 90% of mortgages about 10 years ago. Uh, 70. 70%. 70, yeah. 70% yeah. were uh, floating rate, you said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now about 10% are floating yeah. rate. Mm-hmm. So, so that means... I mean, yes. that's huge, isn't it? That, it is absolutely that is, amazing. It's the thing. I mean, you know, obviously I'm reading about this all the time and like some of these things just go, yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> but this is what, you know, yeah. 70% to 10%. That is incredible, you know. And so that's why you sort of think, well, oh, well, clearly that's why, I mean, um, I thought it was interesting what you were saying, you know, uh, about the, the um, interest rates uh, or effects on inflation or effects generally on the economies like the oil tanker turning around. I mean, I've always been of the mind that um, they take, I suppose, in normal circumstances, three to six months to start having an effect. But I read something recently that said, actually, to have the full effect it's more like 18 months. I was going to say, precisely. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So, um, so that's the thing, isn't it? So, um, yeah, I mean, it, I know I just sort of jumped in there, but it, it really no, no, is. Not it, it really is just yeah. such a huge, huge swing. And it's kind of a, I don't know, cultural is not the, is not the right word, but no. it's like a mind, it's complete mindset change, I think. Well, it's uh, I, I don't know whether these words. It, it's just a response to uh, to the economic reality. Mm. It's not mm. as if people have a different philosophy all of a sudden. They're thinking, mm. oh, let's have a variable rate mortgage because that's what we do. And mm. so now it's like, oh, our well, mindset. Now we we sort of we we we're more uh, sort of you know this is so this is so twentieth century or something. Mm. Now we're doing <laughs> fixed rates. No, what happened is yeah. that we've been in a decade or so of interest rates, which were very low, touching Mm. 0%, sometimes negative interest rates, that's an absolutely unheard of situation, uh, which has basically never occurred before since the Second World War. Mm. Actually, probably not before either. It's a completely unique situation. People have become used to mortgages not costing anything at all. So it would have been completely unnecessary to to lock yourself into a fixed period because mortgages just don't cost any money. I mean, if interest mm. rates are 0%, the mortgage is basically free. And, uh, and that has produced this massive swing towards floating rate mortgages. Mm. But then, of course, uh, the good times came to an end and inflation started rising. Some people will have seen the writing on the wall and switched into a fixed rate mortgage at the time. Because if you think about this, I mean, if it was 70% of mortgages 10 years ago, and now it is only 10% of mortgages. So these people will have will have switched you know it's it's not as if all of these mortgages were all of a sudden paid off Mm. these people will still have mortgages but now they have fixed rate mortgages so all of this will have swung most of it will have swung into the fixed rate mortgage Mm. and if you think about how this therefore needs to work just conceptually um 
the Bank of England is used to seeing a particular time delay before it sees increase in interest rates to work. Mm. And that is, as you indicated before, that's between one and two years, sort of 18 months. Mm -hmm. Now, this experience is no longer supported by the evidence because the mortgage rate structure has changed mm -hmm. and people are not feeling the impact of increasing interest rates immediately. Mm. They're feeling it outside the mortgage, but not in the mortgage payment. Mm -hmm. They're feeling it when the fixed rate comes to an end. When it does come to the end, to an end, we're seeing a step function now. Previously, it was sort of smooth, and now there's a step function. Like three, my, my example, three percent comes to an end, boof. Now it's five percent. There mm. is no smoothness there. It doesn't gradually. You don't gradually transition from three percent to five percent. It is. It is. The function is discontinuous at that point. It sort mm. of steps mm. up, and that is mm. what you have to deal with. Mm. Um, and so it it is the, the sort of analysis, if I was still in the city, the analysis that I would like to do would be to get all the information about how that um, structure of fixed rates is in the market, how many fixed rate mortgages are going to come to an end of their contractual period, at what point, and yeah. therefore how many people are going to experience a step change of what magnitude or at what point. Mm. So, because that's how this is going to work. So my mm. point here is this. Currently, the Bank of England and economic observers are saying, oh, this is all a bit terrible because basically we are increasing interest rates and doesn't, have to, doesn't seem to have mm -hmm. the effect which we are expecting. So mm. we now need to increase interest rates by more because mm -hmm. clearly, mm -hmm. clearly the uh, dynamic is, has, has changed or isn't as, as it used to be. Mm. If we're unlucky, people are missing the effect, the step function effect, and they're increasing interest rates, although perhaps they wouldn't have needed to. Perhaps all it takes is waiting a little bit longer, because what you now get is mm. a series of uh, shocks to the system, mm. step shocks, rather than a smooth transition. But mm. I don't know, I, I wouldn't uh, expect the Bank of England to do this, but it is certainly a modeling risk. And the uh, predictions which I've seen from some of these stockbrokers that we might actually be headed to interest rates in the order of magnitude of 7% may be overly skeptical, just simply because people are missing this step this shocked, uh, this uh, mm. step shock effect, which we're mm. surely going to see. So mm. I'm relatively optimistic that this is going to come through, mm -hmm. but uh, but we'll have to see. I mean, seven percent interest rates would would clearly be an absolute disaster. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, that's definitely a very very you know valid point that that needs to be taken into account that the the effect is delayed. I mean, I, again, just off the top of my head, you know, from reading various things, it sounds to me, depending on what you look at, that it's 1.5 million to 2-ish million households or something uh, coming to the end of their, you know, agreements over the next year or two. 
So, yeah, I mean, that that is definitely going to be felt. I mean, this is what I've said before, you know, that actually the amount of money, ex, of extra money it's going to cost you per month, that is easily the sort of money that you would use to, say, go on holiday. Um, and that's why I think that actually, although airlines and stuff are absolutely raking it in at the moment and they're loving the summer, I wonder whether next year it's not going to go very well. But, um, but anyway... Um, okay, so but yeah, yeah, sorry. Just one other thing. I mean, yeah. if you if you think about it, it's, it's easy. The cost of volume is far worse than that. I think. Hmm. If you, a lot of fixed rate mortgages would still be at. I mean, the, the, this example wasn't completely theoretical. I mean, a lot of fixed rate mortgages, I think, would still be at around the three percent level now. Maybe three hmm. and a half. Who knows? But that's sort hmm. of order of magnitude. Uh, if that steps up to five percent then you're seeing 200 basis points change in your cost of mortgage. Hmm. You know, it's like two percentage points change in your cost of mortgage. If the average home costs £200,000, then basically that's, uh, what, £4,000. That's £4,000 a year. Hmm. And that is, um, you, you know, uh, it's, it's a chunk. It's, um, hmm. I mean, my holiday in Spain doesn't cost £4,000. Hmm. There's a lot more than that and 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 i and and again you know if you are if you have a two hundred thousand pounds house that's not actually as as much as it might actually seem i mean in no, the south exactly. of england this is the average house price here mm. so this is like a normal household a normal family with a normal discretionary income if you mm. take four thousand pounds away arguably pre-tax but still from a normal discretionary income you might actually see your discretionary income being wiped out and that is not good but in the context of waiting for the filtering down of interest rate policy decisions into the economy that's actually good news because it Mm. will surely start working Mm. you know Mm. because you said there's a delay absolutely there's always been a delay but this time um, i i think the the effect will be will will be more more will be more intense in bits and pieces the the thing is also this will enable us to actually see what effect we would expect and what effect we're going to get when these fixed rate mortgages are going to Mm. come to an end of their period and if we then do not see that effect now then we have an another uh, disproportionate impact on share prices so another fact in, in the end i think what i'm saying is i'm still in good hopes that this is going to start working but i think the entire uh the the sort of way in which we look at economic metrics i think we just have to expect them to be sort of more lumpy and mm. and and react in like almost like a step function rather than in a smoother way that's mm. what's going to happen fair enough fair <laughs> enough so there we go so that's uh, gloom number one out of the gloom, way gloom uh, number one yeah yeah um so <laughs> gloom number two um i thought was really um i thought was it was it was a very interesting um development interesting and yet kind of frightening um in the sense that um you know there's been there've been a lot of sanctions laid on uh china um a lot particularly you know and it seems to have accelerated recently um a lot of it is surrounding um the america um, the american obsession of not wanting china to get ahead in terms of um in terms of tech and to that end you know it fairly recently decided that it it, that it would make it much harder or even ban um 
chip exports of uh, you know the most advanced chips, particularly the ones that are used um, to in AI. Mm-hmm. And uh, we saw this week that um, China decided to re, uh, retaliate. And they put in place export restrictions on two vital minerals, along with a load of others. There's various um, various other ones. But germanium and gallium um, are two of these critical... It's germanium again, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Oh, dear. That's right. Um, so it's um, uh, critical ingredients of chips. Uh, and they're also used in missile systems and solar cells. I mean, the, they are... They are absolutely key. So um, this was um, announced earlier on in the week. Um, and then very shortly after that, um, there were there were emergency meetings were held um, in uh, in the South Korea, uh, in, you know, in, in the Commerce Ministry. They had an emergency meeting to discuss the impacts. Um, the Japanese trade minister was involved and stuff as well. Um, so. You know, this is a serious thing, as a very serious thing. Um, and I mean, ultimately, I guess it's quite incredible the the power that that uh, China has in terms of the provision of these um, these materials. Um, and I think it's so powerful that ultimately there's going to have to. It's not a case of oh, we'll leave it and we'll, they, they're going to have to do something. Hmm. They've said that this, this is going to kick in on August the 1st. So what's that? That's three weeks oh, time. Yeah. So, you know, this is serious, serious stuff, mm-hmm. um, especially now, you know, because um, obviously AI is pootling along at a pretty fast pace um, and you've got, you know, the, they got it. They they just got to have, and they they just got to, they they love chips. I mean, don't, don't we all, right? Don't we all? Don't, um, we, all. <laughs> don't we all? Um, so we all we all love chips, right? So um, I mean, the, the, the um, <laughs> sorry about that, but, uh, but you know, and there's there's, there's so <laughs> there's so much of this, and you know, there's so much of this. Um, they're going to have to solve it. I I really don't think that they can they can this i don't think this is viable myself i know that sounds defeatist um but really i just it's so ridiculous i don't think it's viable <laughs> but anyway um what do you think and i mean you, i know you're a fan of chips right so oh yeah yeah i love i love chips well i'm, I'm not going to say triple it, cooks but... even better yeah you know, triple cooks the way forward right mm, so. yeah crisp and I've, I've been trying to get fish and chips into this podcast but it, it doesn't quite work but now it's yeah. now, now, now is the time Good. it's not very funny though but hey we've talked about my sense of humor before Excellent. so um which is another, which is gloom subject number three, my yeah. sense of humor. Okay, let's not go there. Okay, so uh, where were we? Chips. Yes. The chips are down. Hey, it had to be said. So one of us was going to say that, weren't they? Oh, the chips are down. The chips are down. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Let's be chipper about. Uh, oh, yeah, God, yeah. I can't do this forever. But yeah. it's it's never going to improve. Uh, yeah. My brain's so... really fried at the moment. Uh, oh, God. Well, yeah. yeah, the US is fried. The free world yeah. is yeah. because yeah. of this. So the situation, and this is, in fact, the case. Uh, this is, in fact, also what I think about this. Basically, what we are seeing is clearly um, U.S.-China 
economic war, which um, is sort of held almost like a, a, as a proxy to what a U.S. invasion of, the, of Taiwan might actually lead to and what it would look like. And it is also frightening from that point of view. So the U.S. were trying to actually do something against China, have been doing this for a, for, for a time now with, with some sanction, sanctions. And it seems to me as if this is one of the first uh, tangible, potent, retaliatory moves which China is making. And China must have known clearly what impact that particular announcement was going to have for obvious reasons. And if they were expecting a reaction, they got a reaction. So what, what I mean by this is simply that China, I mean, China doesn't need the reaction of the free world to tell it that these raw materials are vital to uh, to, to, to the world, to chip makers. Um, but it will still be gratifying for them to see that indeed the world is panicking even when they, before it even happens, they, they just mm. needed to announce it and the mm. world is panicking. So that shows them that they clearly have, oh God, a bargaining chip here. Hey! <laughs> which, um, <laughs> which, which, <laughs> which is um which, which matters mm. uh, and and i would agree with you i think the u.s just has to back down in mm. this the, 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 there's no real way so if in in a weird in in a weird twist twisting this into something positive if this mm. move by china mm-hmm. would lead to the parties and let's face it, the most important ones here are the U.S. and China. But of course, all, no, actually, that's probably not true because chip makers of South Korea are very important in Japan. Yeah, yeah. So if, if parties get to the table and hash it out and come to a sort of agreement, then that would actually be possible. Well, yeah. w- would actually be positive. Yeah. What I, I remain uncomfortable with this entire development for various reasons. The first one is that chips... Uh, go, of course, into missile systems as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I do not believe that it can be a targeted move by China to um, somehow weaken the U.S. military capability here, but it will have been a welcome bonus. Mm. And the second one is that I, I, I just... I'm uncomfortable with this uneasy equilibrium. I mean, if there's currently a very uneasy situation between the free world and China, and I think no matter what these negotiations will actually um, engender as a result, that truce, if if it were to materialize, will continue to be uneasy. Hmm. A, a further deterioration or a deterioration of this nature is only going ever to be one policy decision away. Mm. And so um, 
And so I think in terms of spinning this just one step further, in terms of equity markets developments around the world, which is clearly the lifeblood of economies, not just the free world, also China's, Mm. what equity markets hate most is uncertainty. Mm. And if this type of back and forth uh, will just send the message to global markets that we cannot just sit back and expect the, the world, in inverted commas, the uh, economic dynamics such as they are fueled by the availability of raw materials to get back into a steady state, then we will have some uh, lasting volatility in the equity markets to contend with for mm. the future. So so I think the, the, the are, the, these are ripples and then there the, the are bigger impacts here beyond what we're actually seeing but i also am concerned about this so let's Mm. let's see what the negotiations such as they will transpire to be um uh, bring about and 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 let's hope that we're going to get into some level of Mm. understanding uneasy though it will remain i believe Mm. I mean, I think that, you know, the, there was a recent meeting between um, Xi Jinping and Anthony Blinken. Yes. Um, so, I mean, that's at least opened the channels. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's a, a step forward and maybe that will make negotiations easier. Well, in the end, we need to also remember, of course, that uh, that these type of sanctions are also hurting China. I mean, in the end, the Chinese economy produces stuff for the free world. I mean, the free world is the most important customer of Mm -hmm. the Chinese economy. Mm -hmm. And uh, although this is showing us what a hardening stance of the free world against China would engender, which means a, a... a more pronounced economic war, it mm. also clearly shows the limits in to which either party in this can actually do this. This is not a parallel to what we're seeing in Russia and the Ukraine. Mm. Russia can be crippled by the West. China can't. Mm. And, and and I think that is that's what I have at the back of my mind. I think that is probably the subliminal message which China is sending with this move as well. Mm. Mm. fair enough um so yes that's i mean it is it is uh, a tricky situation this is the latest development but i do think that there is going to be a sense of urgency here given given the timetable mm-hmm. um just to pick up on the whole you know chips uh, uh and uh puns uh, scenario oh, now i could i could not possibly say whether or, or this has actually happened in the past but um it has been i have i have in the past um noted that some people when going to meetings um that are generally repetitive so you're saying the same thing in each meeting to keep if everyone's flagging a fun game apparently oh. uh to play during during such a game and it's got to be you right it can't be apparently um it can't obviously the client can't be aware of this because then mm. that negates the whole effect of the game um is 
you choose before going into the meeting one chooses um a category of words um to use in the meeting mm -hmm. and each person in the meeting keeps a score of how many how many references to said theme uh, can be included Indeed. and um it's a fun game um apparently and um, and yes, I've I've uh, so uh, you know so that's I, it. Just reminded me, you know, when it you... is also completely unprofessional, of course. Yes, of course it is. Uh, and 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 yet, uh, I understand <laughs> it is it is being played. I mean, it is maybe played. as an anecdote. I mean, I wasn't, of course, in these meetings. I was told this. Honest. I feel like this is asking for a friend. No, 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 really. <laughs> yeah, no. Apparently, yeah. this this happens. Yeah, yeah. If I, you see, the thing is, I mean, I'm immediately found out. Of course, if I say things like, "My friend told me this," everybody yeah, goes, yeah. "Yeah, right, okay, your friend, sure, Ralph." Yeah. I mean, we know how many of those exist. So anyway, yeah. so, so basically, I'm it, one, mate. I'm one. It, well, yeah, yeah but, but you're yeah. clearly weird. So yeah, in fact, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, excellent. Yeah. So we went into this meeting, and the theme was well, sorry. Um, you, the someone went into the meeting. Did you say? Yeah, we, as in the general financial uh, community. Of course, of course, of course yes. Oops. Uh, <laughs> and 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 the theme was animals. Yes. And uh, so there was there was um, these people who were conducting the meeting who were clearly not we. Uh, and there was uh, a special salesman sitting in the corner, a general salesman sitting in the corner of the meeting. Not me. Yeah. And no. And, and I was saying something like, "Well, there they were in wherever that was, Munich, Zurich, Paris, beavering away at the uh, restructuring, etc." And there was a delayed effect because the general salesman was clearly not interested in the proceedings. He wasn't really paying attention very much. But then there was a delayed effect. This was like interest, like interest rates in the economy. You know? yeah. Oh, yeah, I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, yeah. and I, could, I could see him catch on. And yeah. he was sort of, the first thing was this ripple. And then he just couldn't contain himself. He started yeah. laughing in yeah. the meeting. And he is saying, he, he, <laughs> he said beaver <laughs> i know yeah <laughs> Just not, all, and this is why you shouldn't actually do no, that you shouldn't. it is it is quite apparent again i'm so i'm told uh it's quite a it's quite a dangerous thing to do and but, because of that exactly yes yes exactly exactly and yes i mean obviously you see the also uh, you know in that in that scenario one would imagine that you you see first of all it's the shoulders that start to you know before before then the whole thing just escapes um but yeah so by the way by the way kids uh anyone <laughs> listening to this or whatever um or watching this um you know don't don't do don't do that um because well, that don't interviews? do that don't do that <laughs> um but um but as i say it is an interesting anecdote that someone told me at some point um about things that theoretically people do that uh, might be go. going on yes yeah good anyway Excellent. so um just uh, obviously um keeping uh keeping on keeping on the positive uh on positive thing here mm -hmm. um let's talk about um toyota now i think that this is an amazing amazing um development this week so basically they made uh, they announced they made a breakthrough in solid state uh, batteries again doesn't sound wildly exciting but the fact of the matter is that you know um most of the of the electric vehicles out at the moment um 
they're lithium ion batteries and um you know they they basically have a like liquid um in them mm-hmm. and this what this does is it makes them inherently unstable um it means that, you know if they heat up too much um they can actually uh combust and actually someone i know who is a fire fighter said um you know like a car fire something like that can take a whole day to put out one car um it's it's a nightmare and actually the other interesting thing sorry uh, while i'm on this i just thought this was fascinating is that you know a lot of people saying oh why why is my why is car insurance going up well yeah exactly you know, yeah so mm-hmm. like, so everyone's going well you know it's costing you know more for parts more for labor and all that kind of thing but what was interesting in one of the things I read this week was that actually when you get something, um, you know, a car where there's a possibility that the it, so it's, a, it's an electric vehicle and there's a possibility that its battery has been damaged. Mm-hmm. It almost has to go to a little quarantine area. Yes. And that takes up loads of space. Yeah. So and, and they're in there for like a week. So, I mean, this is a major problem. And obviously. You know, this is a big cost, gets passed on, etc. Anyway, because this is all because um, the, uh, you know, it's inherently, un- you know, the, the mm. lithium ions are generally unstable. Um, and um, anyway, so going back to it, solid state is does not have this liquid. It is solid. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know where my voice went there. But anyway, it is solid and therefore it is more stable it doesn't heat up like that um it's smaller it's lighter it can go for longer i mean basically it is the holy grail Mm -hmm. of um of car batteries at the moment and the fact that um toyota has said um that they could mass they say they are confident that they can mass produce solid state batteries for EVs by 2027 or 2028, mm-hmm. I think is absolutely astounding. Yeah. Um, and it could have a huge uh, impact, positive impact um, on the market. But yeah, what do, you, what do you think, Ralph? Well, I mean, you basically summarized it all very, very well. I mean, your analysis, I think, is spot on. It has, in fact, been the Holy Grail for a very long time. Mm. And the fact that it's been a Holy Grail is because everybody is aware of the very material advantages that solid state battery Mm. manufacturing would have. Mm. So... um, one thing I would say is that when we talk about batteries, we also, in the current climate, this goes back to what we discussed just a second ago about China and the US, we're also always discussing dependence on countries which have a monopoly in the mining of mm. certain materials, in mm. this case, lithium and cobalt, I believe it is. And even a solid state battery would still use mm. these materials. The chief difference is that it doesn't actually have the um, the uh, state of matter, the, 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 the liquid, which makes mm. it inherently unstable and means mm. that it might spontaneously combust. Mm. Um, and I thought your point as, an, as another aside, or as your aside, taking up your aside, I thought it was massively interesting. I read that same thing, mm. that uh, the cost of potential repairs for EV cars actually goes up because they have to be kept apart, mm. um, sort of 10, 10 meters or so, if you suspect that the battery might 
uh, combust. And that, of course, if you look at the average lot, which you find in a, in a, in a garage, like a quick fit garage mm. or something, I mean, there, there's just no yeah. way no. that you can actually do that. <laughs> to be honest, but by the way, if anyone's ever done, I've done this, if you actually try and drive into one of these places, I mean, we are talking like you could hardly get out. That's how mm. that's how close they are parked, uh, packed together. Oh, totally, um, it's completely you, packed. Yeah. Um, so yes. Well, and also, I mean, there's another thing. I mean, if you just take a quick fit garage, uh, because we've all seen them, I think, as an example. Um, these are businesses which are operating like any other business to maximize the profit margin. And mm. therefore, it is not in their interest to actually occupy a lot of territory, a lot of, lot, mm. lot, lot of ground. You, you need to com make it all compact. So most of the racks on which you actually drive your cars, they're basically right next to each other. So mm. If you now have two e electric vehicles where you suspect that the battery might be an issue, well, you can't work on them at the same time because they would be very close together on mm. adjacent um, on adjacent lifts, car lifts, mm. you know, so you mm. can basically not do that. Anyway, let, let's not talk about this. Solid state batteries would, of course, mean that that particular adjacent disadvantage would also disappear. Mm. Insurance premiums would come down. And this is all, of course, again, linking up to our first subject, which is inflation, albeit we are now talking uh, a decade in into the future mm. uh, you know if toyota says they will mass, mass manufacture them by 2028 that will take time to filter into the economy etc but so um so i think this is massively cool also for the reason that they are more efficient and mm. they have further reach it's it's not just that they are safer to operate they also are more efficient and so in terms of overall cost this is this would be a material improvement of where we are and would therefore, by extension, make the electric vehicle dream, if it is indeed a dream, more achievable. Mm. The, just the, the thing which I would just say is that just like nothing else, it's not a silver bullet. We still would need uh, to use materials, raw materials, in the manufacturing of these batteries, which are mined in countries to which we do not wish to be dependent. Mm. Um, and, and that links up to the second gloom subject, which was China and mm. the US uh, in, in, in the current uh, trade war, which, which we're seeing. But just in isolation, fantastic. I mean, there's a lot which tech could solve. We just need the overall economic and political environment to become uh, stable again mm -hmm. to to for, for the economies for our economies and societies including china to reap the benefits from this yeah. but so, so just as a reminder 2027 or 8 accidentally also is the uh, target date for the fusion company helion to yeah. uh, well commit has committed itself to manufacturing the first um, net positive um, electricity generator, which generates electricity from fusion. Yeah. So this has got nothing to do with the other. Well, it sort of does, but it's it's interesting that some developments, which clearly were and still are held to be the holy grail of their respective technological uh, the bracket, batteries and mm. uh, electricity production, are perhaps a little bit closer mm. to 
realization than than we thought yeah. uh, several I, years ago. It is amazing, isn't it? Hmm. If if only if only interest rates were like that. Um, in terms of the expectation versus reality, potentially. Um, but, um, but you know... Yeah, I'm uh, actually more positive on that than these yeah. brokers which predict 7%. My guess yeah. is they have not really factored in this step function mm. effect properly and we would see yeah. uh, in inflation to come down more materially uh, uh, in, in, the, in the next several months when these mm. short-term mortgage, the fixed-rate mortgages come to the end of the contract period. Absolutely. So there exactly. we go. We, we turned the gloom. Yeah, we have. And by the way, I've something just, positive. Yeah, I've just, I've just thought. Right. Two gloom, one boom. How's that? <laughs> and on that, and on that underwhelming <laughs> finish, <laughs> I think that yeah. Okay, it's like okay. Thanks, Ed. Uh, taxi. <laughs> <Very fun. laughs> Taxi. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, brilliant cool. stuff. Well, look. Um, thank you very much indeed. As always, um, always brilliant uh, to to chat with you. And um, and uh, yeah, thank you very much, listeners, thanks, viewers, guys for listening. reviewing, listening, etc. See you again soon. Many thanks. Indeed. Bye. Bye.